All right, the Numpties, Sands won. We're missing, uh, we're missing TK today, but uh, but the TK three of us finally wanted... rage quit because we weren't sufficiently, yeah. sufficiently pro BSB. I don't want to be associated with those guys. He's at a cult meeting right now. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't pledge allegiance to BSB for TK. No, TK, uh, we'll, we'll get you back next time, buddy. We're we're uh, I'm kind of glad to just have us chatting for a bit because we've had a couple guests chatting with us the last few times and there's all kinds of um all kinds of stuff in the air and we've been having a lot of discussions but i wanted the two of you in particular i want you guys to fight um we've had some ongoing discussions and we talked a little bit with daniel krawitz on this and debated with steve but what you know in terms of moneyness what makes a good money what attributes and we, we you guys were kind of debating saving versus spending and it's very relevant to bitcoin in terms of how do you bootstrap a new money uh, into being the money for the world? Um, what is the, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of both a, a question of what actually did happen with Bitcoin to date to give it any value, but it's also a question of what happens in the future to actually potentially make it be global money. And does that affect the strategies that you employ um, and so, you know, our, our joking, our caricaturization of this is, um, you know, Derek wants, wants everybody to save Bitcoin and Steve wants to go put bumper stickers on every hot dog stand that says <laughs> accepted here. But we, we had some really interesting conversations about this, the savings versus spending as sort of the primary value of money. Uh, so I want you guys to recap some of those discussions i don't know if you've made peace yet or if this is still a i felt like we made peace because i felt like steve just conceded defeat on twitch oh, I, I conceded defeat by saying universal acceptance of all of all currencies would be a good thing <laughs> yeah because it would accelerate the race to the bottom and there would only be one currency oh yeah well sort of i mean that that's yeah. kind of Mil milton friedman's argument against the gold standard people the gold bugs His, he was like a free money advocate like just have as many currencies as you want and let them all compete with each other. Um, now, obviously they're not competing under like true market conditions, but. Yeah, so my position is like, um, you can't divorce saving from spending. You can't, the, the point of saving is future consumption. So uh, future consumption implies use as a medium of exchange. And so progress towards additional acceptance of a currency being used as a medium of exchange is a good thing. I just don't like the position that acceptance, you know, merchant acceptance, let's say, makes literally no difference whatsoever to the utility of the currency. I think that's wrong. I think, the, I think it's theoretically correct to say that uh, merchant acceptance uh, or, or the use as a medium of exchange spending makes a good currency. But I think it's also strategically wrong to say any attempts to increase merchant acceptance are a waste of time um, and don't actually in increase the utility of the coin. So um, disclaimer, I'm better with writing than, than speaking. And so if I say anything that sounds wrong or stupid, that doesn't, that doesn't actually mean that I'm wrong. It just means that I'm, I'm not communicating it effectively here. Awesome uh, disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no matter what. For, for I, everything I, I say in the future of all time on all subjects, yeah, that is yeah. true. Then you can just, when people question you, you can just be like, Listen to what I actually said. <laughs> over and over. Oh, by the way, look, I have a hand cash shirt. There's I my hand cash. That's oh, really cool. nice. Let's let's see. Let's get a did they did up. they send that to you? No, no, I got it from zeroconfs.com. Uh, it's they have like a 
a licensing agreement or something like that. I dig Probably it. Lengthy 10 page IP licensing documents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully your info doesn't get leaked. Where's the trademark? I don't see the trademark. <laughs> but uh, no, it's nice. It's, it's uh, you'd like it, Isaac, because it's super soft. And uh, I know you have a thing for, for soft t-shirts. Um, okay. So, so I agree. The primary function of money is, uh, uh, Ultimately, like it's it's to exchange, you know, value. But uh, it's not just a value in the immediate moment; it's value in the future too. So, um, I think my 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 difference in opinion is that I don't think merchant acceptance is is what people think it is. I think merchant acceptance today is basically just accepting it as a method of payment, and I don't think that's the same thing as being a medium of exchange. We've talked about this, um, and I think that. Nowadays, maybe in the past it was a little bit different, but nowadays what tends to happen with merchant acceptance is they add a widget to their website and they can accept any number of a basket of currencies that all do exactly the same thing as a method of payment, then functionally no difference for the merchant. And uh, the merchant never even touches the crypto. The crypto just gets settled uh, in USD and, uh, and that's it. So it's, for me, it look, it's functioning more like a credit card then it's functioning as a um, as a uh, um, uh, as medium a of exchange or as a money. It's actually functioning as like a PayPal or a credit card. Now, that to me does not actually increase the value of the underlying currency significantly. So that's um, where we, that's where I think we have our first uh, disagreement. So I don't I don't think the distinction between the method of payment and medium of exchange in this case is is a strong distinction. Like I think. In the case, even if a merchant exchanges the Bitcoin immediately that they're receiving for something like USD, they're still using it as a medium of exchange. Well, the merchant's so, not exchanging it. Well, the merchant is accepting it. Like, no. Uh, Usually it's like a third party payment. Uh, the, the payment processor is accepting it. That's yeah, a business. Well, I, I don't think that's the right distinction. So, so for you don't actually, the, the payment processor doesn't send you the good, right? So no, but the payment a, processor is acting, they, they, they take the money and they're only, they're just sending the merchant fiat. But so, so for example, right, if, um, if I have Bitcoin and there's some gloves that I really want to buy and uh, the, the merchant I want to buy them from accepts USD, but they don't accept Bitcoin then I won't be able to exchange my Bitcoin for the ultimate good that I want. So that implies that that is a lack of acceptance of the coin, which is not, which is not a, would not be a good thing from the standpoint of the utility of the coin. Just to have them accept it, even though they immediately trade it later, either they're, they're the storefront, you can talk about them accepting Bitcoin, even if they don't hold on to that Bitcoin, or even if they aren't the ones like processing it, uh, processing the transaction. You still are the, the the exchange only happens if they allow the acceptance. So it's like you, you're not you don't go to the payment processor and say, "Hey, I'm going to buy a thing of gloves from you." You go to the merchant and say, "I'm going to buy a thing of gloves from you," and they have a secondary system which happens to settle in a different currency than the one that's being used as the medium of exchange. Yeah. So my, my thought is, well, Isaac can go too, but my, my thought is that that actually in the long term weakens other currencies because um, people are actually like the fact that they're settling in USD is actually a very strong indicator that they don't want the crypto. That's okay though. 
but that that's okay. So it, um, you don't have to have all exchanges result in the holding of the underlying currency um, in order to have an incre- the, the utility of the coin increase by it being accepted. So for example, with Amazon. So let's say that Amazon said, hey, we decided that BSV is going to be the future currency. We're very excited about it. The technology can scale. This is what we want, wanted Bitcoin to be. And we're going to accept it for payment. But they actually are going through BitPay. And like they don't well, touch any in any of that. So, I, so but wouldn't that wouldn't that demonstrably increase the utility of BSV that you can use it on Amazon? So uh, I th- okay, Isaac, you go first. Yeah, so so I think you're both correct, boys. No, I <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a there's two separate questions, right? So Steve's question in an absolute sense, if you look at it almost like a mathematical equation, uh does a greater number of people accepting Bitcoin um, make it more valuable than if there is a lesser number of accepting Bitcoin? Uh, and in some like very, very broad sense, that's true, but it's not, it's not anything. There's a strategic question of whether going and getting merchant adoption is the best way to go, which I don't think it is in that sense. But there's also, it's not linear at all. It's not a linear relationship to where each merchant you add makes Bitcoin that much more valuable because saying that your website that buy, sells gloves or whatever, it says they accept Bitcoin, that effectively adds almost zero value to Bitcoin because people don't only go and buy gloves. They buy lots of things and they want one money that they can use to buy lots of things. And if you say yeah. all the money is, all the shops accept dollars, but two of them also accept Bitcoin you're not going to give a shit about having Bitcoin because you're going to shop at a hundred shops until all the shops or damn near close accept Bitcoin. Then you don't really care. It's like if 90% of them accept Bitcoin and dollars, but a hundred percent of them accept dollars, then Bitcoin gains almost no value until it hits that a hundred percent threshold. Then it gains a ton of value. Now, Amazon's a great example though, because it's one place where people can buy literally everything. It isn't a store, it's a platform to access yeah. tons and tons of stores. And so that Amazon accepting Bitcoin is almost like saying the entire mail order market accepts Bitcoin. And that is like such a giant chunk that I think that would have a meaningful uh, increase in value. Yeah, well, I also think that there's, there's a distinction to like Amazon accepting it. If they were to be like, we're accepting uniquely Bitcoin or Bitcoin SV or Bitcoin Cash, because we believe X, Y, and Z and we're accepting it. Like to me, that would be great because that would be a great signal to the market that some big player likes it. And so everyone else would look at that and be like, Oh, that's credible now. You know, I mean, I think that from that perspective, that's awesome. I think people look at that and like, man, that's, that's like, so when a big company announces they're accepting it, I think the actual signal of credibility is stronger than the actual the actual value it creates for no, me it's, it'll, it's it'll more like a more, belief it'll system make more people save it buy yeah. it as a stock than it will people yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. Yes. I th- I th- that can't be separated though so so you can't separate this is actually um i think a lot of these ideas that i disagree with come from daniel kravitz and some of his earlier writing on holding bitcoin and i think he makes a mistake um a very common methodological mistake that i used to make as well that you see in austrian circles 
which is the a priori reasoning or like we're holding everything else constant. We're coming up with these thought experiments to try to understand money. And um, he, has, he has a quote. I had it saved somewhere. So like here, here's a quote. It says that a merchant adoption on its own does not create the incentive for people to save in Bitcoin. Only earning Bitcoin creates that incentive. If a merchant accepts Bitcoin and immediately sells it for fiat, he's not doing anything for us. I think that's just wrong. And the reason that's wrong is because the real world isn't ceteris paribus. It's that you don't hold everything else constant. So when you say merchant acceptance on its own does not create the incentive for people to save in Bitcoin, well, it's never on its own. Merchant acceptance is not one variable that changes in isolation to other variables. When you have increased merchant acceptance, like Amazon, it's like you said, it's a massive signal. It's a gigantic signal of credibility, and that is the way to grow the network and grow yeah, the utility so, of the coin. Yeah, I think you're missing Daniel's point, though, personally. I What's mean, the point? Well, I, I think his point is still really important. Like, like there are, I, think, I think there's two separate things we're talking about now. I think we're either talking, like you're, you're talking about the, the signal but I still think his point is valid that accepting it in and of itself doesn't actually do anything. Yeah, a signal is useful, but I don't think it actually creates additional value. Well, I, I actually disagree with that. I think even in the scenario in which it's only merchant acceptance has increased, I do think it increases the utility of the coin because you can, people can use it more as a, as a medium of exchange. You have a belief that in the future, you'll be able to exchange it for goods that you want. Well, if the it's only accepted. reason a merchant accepts it in the first place, I mean, unless they have to be like convinced, you know, like, oh, it's a novelty thing. You should accept it. Like in the situation we're talking about Amazon, the reason they would accept it is because they think it's useful. Like they, they, already, they already want it or they think it's valuable for them. No, that's not necessarily true. I mean, they so might they would think accept it's a, if they don't think it's valuable. No, so that that's they can where, accept it if they think that it's a better payment mechanism, which is why a lot of companies accept they it. Can accept it for, did, they can yeah. accept it for any number of reasons, and that's that's where Steve is right that the there is some signaling value to it. It may be small, and I would argue these days it's almost infinitesimally small, unless you're talking about a massive player like Amazon, because we're past the point where this is a new novelty and having it recognized as being accepted by a legitimate company is no longer a news item, but it's got signaling value because subconsciously when you see that a company, a new company is going to accept it, you're wondering why there's a reason they decided to accept it. Now you don't know that reason, yeah. but you're going to yeah. have to assume that they have a reason to think this is good. Now their reason could be stupid. It could be because the, mm -hmm. you know, CEO's brother-in-law is, you know, begging him to accept it and he won't get off of his case. And so he says, fine, we'll accept it just for you, even though no one's going to use it. It could be a dumb reason, but the signal is like, hmm, that's a smart person who engages in commerce and they must have some reason for wanting to accept this thing. Um, so I think that makes, that means that there's something more valuable to this thing than I previously thought. I think that's yeah. a real, I think. So I should go buy some and save it. Like, to but, me, like, that's the thing. Think, like, that, that's one so. piece of the puzzle. Yeah. That, but, but that's not Steve, the whole puzzle. Yeah. I think Steve's point is also that, you know, saving, the, the reason something is money is, is to move value from the present to the future or to make value more, more applicable to a greater number of things, to exchange, to, to make value more liquid, right? So if I have something that's valuable, I can only exchange it with somebody else who values it unless I can exchange it for something that's universally valued. And what I'm essentially doing is moving, I'm, I'm, I'm letting resources time travel. I'm moving them into the future. And that's what savings is, right? You're saving it. Even if you're only saving it for a few minutes or a few hours, 
you're saving it and it allows you to defer the value you just created and exchange it for value later. So you get to transfer it through time, but that's not infinite, right? You're, you don't need to, you, you need to at some point be able to exchange it. You don't hold it infinitely. You don't just keep transferring it into the infinite future. There's some, you have to have the belief that at some point when you come to exchange it, it's got to be accepted. But here's, here's the difference though. It only needs a market. You just need to know that someone will buy it. So like when I use the example of, you know, a, a rare collectible item, as long as you know there's a market for it, um, that is a potential vehicle for savings. But it's, it's yep. not going to be as attractive. No, like I'm not going to want to put my money into rare baseball cards. Even though I know there's a market for it, the market's so small that it's way riskier. What if the one guy who values it at a million dollars dies and the next guy who values it only at half a million dollars is the only one left in the world who will pay me for it? It's way more nebulous than if it has a greater uh, market, yes. greater extent. Yeah, so I think, there, but that, but I think that proves my point. So I think that because the, the merchants are accepting it under the condition that they can sell it for fiat on an exchange or something or to the, to the payment processor. Or, or if they could sell it for, but, for something else. Like but that's not a bad thing. That's, that's the thing. That's the point I really disagree with is the idea that accepting it and exchanging it for fiat is somehow bad or doesn't do anything. That's I don't think not, it's bad necessarily. Well, well, but, that, that it doesn't do anything. I mean, in the real world, Amazon having a thing saying we accept Bitcoin SV, even though they don't touch it at all, is grows the network of crypto, cryptocurrency massively. And an, an example of to illustrate this would be the opposite of, of reduced merchant acceptance. So if you're talking about savings being justified and you're trying to defer your consumption to the future, if you're saving an asset like BTC is a good example. And then at some point you get less merchant acceptance, even if Steam wasn't holding on to the actual Bitcoin when they used it as a medium of exchange, they were selling it for fiat. Even the mere fact that you're getting less merchant acceptance implies that uh, maybe you won't be able to spend it in the future. It makes it worse money. It's a, it's a gamble well, that the, the network might be uh, getting smaller, which is a bad thing. So if it's, if it's a bad sign for the, for the merchant to stop accepting it, it should be a good sign for the merchant to start accepting it. Well, we don't, we don't I, I, I actually think, again, my thought is the merchant accepts it because there are already, uh, sorry, the merchant stops accepting it because there are already bad signs. I, I, I just tend to think you're reversing everything and there's always a step prior to what you're talking about. So there's a reason a merchant stops accepting it. It's not like, yeah. it's not just out of the blue. The merchant stops accepting it because they don't think it's good. I don't think that. Well, but, but they aren't holding the asset. They don't think it's good because they were using it as a payment aren't mechanism. Merchants stopping to accept it because they saw someone else not accepting it. They're stopping to accept it because they don't want it anymore. No, 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 no. But they, they were never holding it, remember? Well, I know, but if they, if they don't even think it's useful as a payment mechanism. Me, That's me, the thing. That well, because my it, thought is, again, it's, this is, what we're talking about is two different things. I don't think it's the same thing to talk about the, the signal that could be, be potentially created, which tricks people into thinking that it's better to hold even a better to save in. I think that's useful. It's not a trick. Why is it a trick? That's well, it is a trick. If it, yeah, well, absolutely. Here, here, here's why it's a trick. Um, if I see Amazon accepting it, even if they're dumping for fiat, I don't know that they're dumping it for fiat. Most people aren't even thinking about the monetary dynamics of, of how those kind of things work. They're just thinking, oh, look, someone wants Bitcoin. I should go buy it. Someone big wants Bitcoin. I should go buy it. They're not actively thinking about the kind of things we're thinking about. So I think that, I think it is sort of like a trick and it's an illusion that the company wants it. That's fine. But, but it's, 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 they're accepting it. It's a, it's a payment mechanism. 
So you don't, I, I, it's never really occurred to me to judge the uh, quality of Bitcoin as money by considering whether or not Newegg was holding their Bitcoins or exchanging them for fiat. That's well, you could imagine, you could imagine a situation, let's, let's just imagine this where um, there's a ton of merchant acceptance and no one's holding it. That's kind of like, it's like, that's like, it's a method of payment. It's like a credit card. Well, so, no but that's a, that, but that's a question about <clears throat> uh, satisfying the regression theorem, as we talked about before, is there an underlying utility that, that is valued? And if the value of that underlying utility increases, then the value of the, the, the uh, good increases and its potential to act as money can increase if that value continues. So Jeff Tucker wrote a great article in like 2014 about how Bitcoin satisfies the regression theorem because it is the first money that is both a method of payment and a change. Yeah. And that the technology of Bitcoin or the distributed ledger is a valuable utility. And you could say as a method of payment or as the BSV people say, as a data structure, as a way to store data and, and, and put data on a public ledger. If the use of that, the use of it as a payment, as a method of payment increases. Now, now these days, I don't think there is any added utility as a method of payment compared to Stripe or whatever else. Um, I think that window is closed. But let's say it is. More and more merchants are using it. And they're immediately exchanging it into fiat. But they're basically sending a signal that it's valuable as a method of payment. That underlying utility can over time actually add to the value of Bitcoin as money. And, and the BSV people are basically saying the same thing, but they're saying, okay, the method of payment utility is less valuable as the data structure for these other use cases with enterprise or whatever. And so let's increase the value of that. And that makes it a more valuable underlying utility, which makes it more money-like. And, 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 I, and I guess you could say, in some ways, knowing knowing that you can later exchange it for something is bolstered by not whether it's accepted by a merchant so much, but how many transactions are occurring on the chain regularly. So if there's, if there's tons of transaction volume all the time, that signals to you that you're always going to be able to use it for something, right? Because tons of people are using it all the time. Maybe it's you're selling it to somebody who uses it for data. Maybe you're selling it to somebody who's you know, buying goods with it. Maybe you're buying fiat with it. But the more volume, like if I told you, hey, one, one version of Bitcoin has one transaction a day and another version has a million transactions a day, which one are you going to feel more secure and growing? Which one are you going to feel more secure holding on to? So I think the number, the, the use well, that depends. of I mean, the chain it, I, itself. I think if you're, if you're an everyday person, then, then the, the, the obvious answer is, is transactions. But I actually think if you're looking at it as an educated investor, transactions alone are not, are not an indicator of anything. It could be that they're, you know, mostly just someone just sending transactions back and forth to, to each other. You know, they're to an me, indicator that there's, a, that there's a large market demand for what you have, though. Which well, there's already an ability that you can sell yeah. it later. Yeah, I mean, for, volume, for labor, for goods, or for fiat. Volume is one indicator, but I don't think it's a sufficient indicator because, again, it could just be someone going back and forth with each other. Well, Certainly, so, but, it, but it adds to the value of the network. It adds to the value of the money. It's not the only thing that does, or maybe not even the preeminent thing that does, but I think it, it's, it's non trivial. Well, I don't, I mean, I, I'm just not convinced, like, are we talking about money velocity now? Because I'm not convinced that that, like the degree to which money moves around is necessarily a thing that tells me about that. 
No, because, because Bitcoin is different. It's a, it's a, it's a fundamental, we're talking about the technical utility of it. And one indicator of that is how much it's used, right? So like if it has a fundamental utility as a data storage mechanism, as a method of payment, as a distributed ledger, that adds to its, uh, the attributes that make a money attractive. Because at the end of the day, there's, there's, uh, there's some fundamental demand or utility for it. And so the, the more that that can be signaled, the more comfortable you feel, you know, buying it and saving in it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, B, like you look at like BTC right now. I mean, I, I think that I think that the price of the asset is an indicator of uh, of of the number of people who are betting on future productivity. So the price itself is is one indicator, and I think that that's a valuable indicator. I mean, probably more than anything else. I mean, this is so when I look at BCH and BSV, they're declining against BTC. I mean, I think as an average person would look at that and be like, okay, less people think that these are going to be more productive in the future. Now, I think yeah. they're wrong, but what do you right, mean? But by, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, why do you think they're wrong? One of the reasons is if you see, you know, and, and you're kind of making this distinction like, well, this is what's valuable to all the idiots out there. But to me, I look at something different. But we're just talking about the market as a, as an aggregate, what, what tends to be valued over time? And you got to lump yourself in with all the idiots and say, over time, these are the things that signal. So if BTC, if the transaction volume, the number of times people are actually using it for anything at all, just continues to plummet, that is something worth considering that will eventually work its way into the market and people yeah. will start to ask questions about it. Yeah. And if, if the, in the case of BTC, it's precisely because of the technical problems that I think it will not have as large a network effect as big block Bitcoin because more people will be able to use big block Bitcoin than will be able to use BTC. So yeah, that's why I think we're, I think the, the conversation that is had is, is about future productivity, not, not necessarily in the immediate moment. So I but, agree with yes, you. Yes. But, but the, but the signals in the present and the savings in the present, it has a relation to expectations of future productivity. Well, so, more people are saving in BTC than are saving in everything else. That, that's, that is a problem for the speculators in BTC. I mean, uh, merchant acceptance is one of these things, going, going back to that, which is a, a necessary condition to be glo being global money. It's not a sufficient condition. Just saying, every, if, if, there's a, if there's one payment processor that processes a thousand different cryptocurrencies and it's at all of the websites, it doesn't mean that Dogecoin, by virtue of the fact of it being accepted through this payment processor, makes good money. But if it's ever going to reach the level of global money, it's a necessary condition that, that, that what is global money? Well, it would be that asset, which is traded most frequently as a medium of exchange. So if you're progressing towards the final goal of universal acceptance of the, of the good as a medium of exchange, then that's all good progress. That's all, all positive direction. And even strategically, I'm not saying you put all of your eggs in that one basket, but you got to have both parts. You got to increase the utility uh, of of the the coin and the technology and the cool things that you can do with micropayments. Yes, that's a great a, a great avenue. Please, uh, Bitcoiners, that's a great avenue. But also in the real world, to gain acceptance and legitimacy as a currency is very valuable as well. So, so maybe um, it sounds like maybe you guys are are talking about where where's the causality and what's cause and what's effect and and it sounds mm -hmm. like maybe derek you're saying and i think i tend to agree with this that 
yeah, if you're going to be global money, eventually everybody's got to accept it. But yeah. what will happen is you'll make something a valuable savings tool. Yeah. And because it's a valuable savings tool, people will eventually accept it. And when they accept it, that's a good sign that you have succeeded, but the acceptance is not what causes the success. And Steve is maybe saying, as soon as people start accepting it, it will become a better savings. Yeah. So I could, go, as- I could go to anywhere in the world right now and I could just give them physical US dollars and they would accept it. I don't need to beg them to accept it or do anything about that. And I, don't, I, I think it's just because they recognize that it's a better savings vehicle than their, uh, their whatever currency. The they reason have they locally. think it's a better savings vehicle is not because they are aware of the fundamental uh, 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 properties. No, then the they USD. don't need to. They don't need to. The, the reason that they accept it is because they think they can use it as a medium of exchange. Yeah, because be other people want to save in it. Merchant, like I, I think merchants will react to the market. I don't think I don't. I can't imagine a money historically that has ever been bootstrapped by evangelists and Jehovah's Witnesses running around getting people to accept it. Steve is going to change works. that with his- Well, that, go, go look that. at the history of money. Gold, salt, no look one had to the go history run. of Bitcoin. Yeah, but, okay, okay, let me yeah, use I know, I think, it's, I think that's incorrect. I, think, I, I don't think that's how Bitcoin had its value bootstrapped. Let me uh, use an it. analogy here. If I'm trying to build a really big successful company um, and I say to you, I just hired 10 employees. Now, your initial reaction, that's usually, most people see that as a positive signal and that's a rational thing. Oh, wow, that's great. And you assume that that's, that probably means my company is going in a good direction. And you may even want to invest in my company if you see that. But the reality, if you've ever run a company, is if I went out and just hired 10 employees and I, I haven't really achieved any success or growth or revenue, that, could, that doesn't mean anything. It could be a bad thing, in fact, if there's nothing underlying it. If I have first created a valuable growing company and I'm hiring 10 employees because I'm growing and I need to handle the growth, then it turns out it's a really good sign. But from the outside, you don't necessarily know. And so saying, and I think Derek feels like, and I do a little bit too, that this strategy of like, let's get all of Australia to put a sticker on everything is basically like- That's a straw man. Started a company, go hire Amazon. And and put out a press release that you hired 10 employees and everyone will, now your company will be more valuable because you have more employees. Wait, wait. So, So first of all, hiring is still a necessary component in order for you to reach global scale. My point is to say- It's only necessary if 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 the growth comes first to justify it. It's still a necessary component. So if you're if you're trying to grow, and we're we say, oh, the fundamental principles of your organization are sound, but he's not hiring, and he insists that he's not going to hire, and he's only going to work with a small group of people. That's that there. will put a ceiling, a very low ceiling, on my growth. Exactly. So it's precisely that. So I'm saying, well, yeah, you need hiring is a good sign. You need to do it the right way. It's not certainly not sufficient to have success. But when the time is right, yeah, you need, and you yourself might not need to hire. You might also need to outsource the process of hiring to others. So like if you had some other people working but you wanna, on- But you want to hire when you're either bursting at the seams or you can see that you're about to be bursting Steve, at the seams. Steve, here's what's, what's what, going to happen. What, what, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I got, I got to go back to the, the Amazon example. So again, that we have to make a clear distinction between strategy and theory. It, the, the Amazon example, I'm not strawmanning by bringing Amazon. I'm trying to say Amazon well, illustrates the point that it is 
that actual acceptance does matter. And I've been arguing since before Bitcoin Cash existed that it's actually acceptance at the big players that matters and small player acceptance almost doesn't matter at all. Let the me example ask you a question, of, Steve. No, no, I got to say one more thing. I don't okay. even think it's acceptance. I think what they're accepting is USD. But, but So that's the mistake. That's the mistake because that, that line of reasoning makes you conclude, well, if in the real world we saw Amazon actually accept crypto for their goods and services, it wouldn't make a difference. That's clearly an error. It, it definitely <laughs> would make a difference. I, don't think, I think it would only make a difference insofar as people look at that and like, I want to save this. Yes, that is exactly so what fine, that is. But, that is massive. But that is think... what acceptance does. You're growing the network in the most concrete way, sending a massive signal if you were to land Amazon. Okay, Therefore, Steve, the principle... Okay, go ahead, Ed. So let's say Amazon announces they're accepting Bitcoin yeah. SV, which I heard from Bezos, uh, and it, I was texting him yesterday. He said that's coming yeah. very soon. It will be yeah. the same day that Craig's court cases are decided. Yeah, later, <laughs> later this year. Yeah. yeah, later this year. So let's say they announce they're accepting it. And then six months later, there's a report that's like, hey, they've had zero people use SV to buy anything on Amazon. What what do you what do you think that does to the value? Uh, I think, well, I mean, if they're still accepting it, I think that it would be the the coin would still be more useful as a medium of exchange because it could be accepted in more places. I think that would imply that people aren't using it as that, and so that's not where the large network effects are going to be. I mean, I, I would argue it could it could potentially be bad it could be a, it could be a sure. bad sign it could make you think sure. it's a worse money because it's like a phony hype thing that no one actually uses which is what exactly what i think has happened with especially bitcoin cash they just constantly announce that every merchant in singapore sure. accepts it and then there's zero there's no transactions happening at all and i, I, I think that actually looks worse than if oh. you didn't go out and getting people to put bumper stickers on in the first place. Well, well, well I, I have a funny example. Just, just I got to bring it in because if you go to BitPay's website, now I love BitPay. Everybody knows I'm a big fan of BitPay. They have a quote by um, uh, Mark Cuban. BitPay allows our global fans to seamless, seamlessly make purchases with the Mavericks, right? Mark Cuban, though, stated on Twitter that in the several years that they've done it, they've only had like, I was like a couple hundred bucks in transactions. And yet, He's the the main and he's he's literally the, I think the only endorsement on the BitPay homepage. Yeah, that's a site where you go to and you see that. And if you've seen Mark Cuban say that, it gives you a worse view of Bitcoin than if they had never done it at all. I, look, I, I agree. I mean, we're, we're talking. Well, then why strategy. do you want to put bumper stickers everywhere, Steve? <laughs> you guys are assholes. No, that is <laughs> not my position. I, I just I, think I, I, I remember arguing with big Bitcoin people because there was this sentiment that that the, the the best strategy was small was grassroots adoption and i remember arguing with them disagreeing saying no actually the way is to land the big players for the reasons of signaling so I, i'm yeah. i'm in the camp of saying let, let's focus on the big players as one route to gaining uh mainstream success and i lived it because i saw when bitcoin was not accepted anywhere and the price was very very small and as the hype built and you had these big announcements you did have people were using it in commerce bitpay was processing more than a billion dollars worth of transactions like wow it was this this might be the network of the future is all on bitcoin i saw yeah, it and i saw the price appreciate twenty thousand fold as well 
most of BitPay's transactions were not daily commerce. I mean, there were there were a significant number of them. I looked at some of the data from 2013, and they were. Uh, 2013 know, is the, that's the year it was founded, I think. Second, it was a year after, so they yeah, had so experienced I'm, significant growth. So yeah, you got to go all the way to 2017 before the network broke to see. I mean, they were doing a lot of business. That's and, and yeah, my, arguably the network broke really in 2015 because you started seeing merchants dropping it then. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the cat. I don't know when. But, the, but, when but here. The, so here's what I, here's my view on that. I, I think, and I think I've said this before in here, but I think when Bitcoin first came out, it was, it could do things that a lot of other uh, methods of payment could not do. And so there was a lot of utility that you could, you know, sending money, cell phone to cell phone, internet purchases, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things it could do. Now that window has passed and you can do all those things with fiat for zero fees. You can send PayPal and Venmo and all this kind of stuff. So I think that the more people, the, the more usable and the more valuable as something that, that the more utility Bitcoin has, the, the better it becomes as a money, both for saving and for spending, et cetera. And that's where I think the BSV approach of usability, you start with things that can be done better on Bitcoin than anything else, or that can only be done on Bitcoin. So some of the data use cases and things, things, micropayments that you just can't do, no one else can compete with. And you, you make it valuable because it's doing things that only it can do. And then after the value increases enough and people say, oh, I want more of this. I want to use more of it. I want to buy more. I want to save more of it because it's only going to increase. We're restructuring the way data is done. Then it can achieve its moneyness where now people start to want to accept it at stores as well. And that's yeah. kind of the last and final step that yeah. it will achieve. Totally. But I think you start with what's most useful. But, Once upon I, a time, it, accepting it as a to buy tchotchkes was actually useful because it was better than Stripe or, or Square, which didn't exist. Now it's not. And so that's not and, where you want to go. Not and only is it not better in, in many cases, it, it can be better. I think it can be in a, in, a, in, a, in a global Bitcoin economy where people are earning Bitcoin, spending Bitcoin. It, it's, it's significantly better in certain ways. Um, I think right now, the reality of the situation is you add it on your website and in order to use it, you've got to go buy it on an exchange, pay with uh, fees on the exchange and withdrawal fees um, often. You've got to you know, go through a big headache so that the, 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 the actual fee benefits to the customer have already been eaten up in the process of acquiring your Bitcoin. So the value there is, is limited. Now we can talk about, oh, well, people in the third world can go access other stuff. And like, to some degree, that's true. But... I also feel like if they're having trouble accessing global commerce, they're probably having trouble accessing exchanges as well for, for a lot of stuff. But well, we saw a couple of bumps, some early bumps that happened in the price of BTC was, uh, one was the Cyprus banking crisis. We saw an immediate bump after that. It people seemed like they were using it more in, in, for, uh, in commerce. And also, I think it was Venezuela. There was some, I think it was a South American one. We saw a big bump when things started to get ugly. But I want to say that two things. One, why would we, and the scenario you painted out about increasing the utility of the coin, Isaac, why would we say, and the very last step is payment acceptance, merchant acceptance? Why wouldn't we just say, well, that will happen? Like, that, it doesn't have to be the last step. Like, that's a necessary part going where we need to go. No, it doesn't have to, but I think you're mostly spinning your wheels if you try to, if you try to do yes. that. Early. Yes, but I, I would agree with you, though. But I think we're all agreeing this strategically putting the payment, I accept Bitcoin on your website, isn't going to increase the utility of the coin very much. But I think we also agree, we have illustrated, the, I think we agree, that if Amazon did it in practice, it would actually increase the utility of the coin. 
So the principle has to be that, that there's some, it's a matter of scale. How, how big and relevant are you in commerce? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I just, I, I tend to think that, and maybe you're just mad that we're like making fun of people who are going out and putting bumper. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying stop doing it. That makes you feel good, whatever. I, I think once it's so useful and valuable that a store basically has to accept it, yeah. or they're going to lose out to competitors who do, then it becomes accepted by them. And that's the reason I say that's the last step is because again, it's going to, that's going to happen probably the last thing. And it has to happen pretty much universally and really fast for the reasons. But, but, why, but why would Amazon ever in the future, why would they ever accept it? Are you, are you saying Bitcoin at some point is going to have so much new value that it's yeah, going to be used if, as a if, better? If everybody, if you need it, in order to send email, participate in social media, use workplace apps like Slack, do scheduling. Like if you, if the whole internet data structure is built on this, if micropayments are ubiquitous, if you're paying for every one of your books by the page, and that can only be done with BSV, you need BSV in order to consume the thing. That implies a replacement. You, you think that the way that Amazon is going to end up accepting it is because BSV takes over the data structure on the back end and they literally have to buy it in order to use things like email. No, maybe, but I'm not even saying that. I'm saying even if they don't convert to a different data structure, if people are using it so much that they, they, they want to like, hey, look, I'm using it every day when I go and post a blog and interact, everything I do interacting on social media, whatever. But why would they do that? Well, how would that get to Amazon? That would only no, be because, used- Because now I need to use BSV for pretty much everything else I'm doing online. And it'd be so much more convenient if I could also use it when I'm buying stuff on Amazon. And if they say, hey, we also accept BSV, like if Amazon said, hey, we accept whatever you earn playing Fortnite, people who play Fortnite all day. And if they could use that on all the other apps, they would like that, right? Yeah, like, but, uh, but that's just another way of saying that eventually you need the network to grow large enough where enough people are requesting uh, that Amazon accept it because it would be easier for yes, them. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I'm saying that. That is the end result. I'm saying if you try to preempt that when there's no reason, when nobody wants to use it at your store anyway and convince a store to accept it when no customers want to use it for anything, that's not going to do anything to help. I don't, not only does it not do it, I actually think you lose people. I mean, my, and my thought is, and, and, and I've sort of, I've tried to help some different companies in the past accept it. They get no payments and they sort of just laugh it off as like a stupid gimmick. And it's actually a pain for the company to maintain the payment processing widget on their site. You know, they've got to go through all those extra steps just to have it on their site and maybe get one payment a year. And then they're like, okay, what do I, what do, I do now? Like, like the whole thing, to me, it actually is, is, is a negative. Like, like it, it gives people a bad experience in certain ways. But, but that's small scale versus big scale, right? If you're talking small players, I agree. If you're talking well, the Dallas player, Mavericks aren't a small player. That's a, that's a big, no, that, that is, no. How, how many people are, 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 how many people are trying to buy Dallas Mavericks, Maverick tickets with, Bitcoin? I'm, I'm sure the franchise is worth a billion dollars. How many billion yeah, but, dollars? Yeah, but, but, but that's, you're talking about one tiny, tiny little specific good for people that happen to live in one geographical location. That's not a relevant, that's not going to be used to buy any relevant thing for anybody I mean, sell, living outside of Dallas. they sell merchandise and all kinds. Like if you say a billion dollar Steve, company is Steve doesn't know sports very well if he's like Steve. living in one tiny region. The Dallas teams, you can look at the maps, Dallas in particular controls like a third of the country. <laughs> the entire country of Germany are Dallas Mavericks fans because of Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, yeah, but they're not going to be listen, buying listen. tickets so to a Dallas Maverick me, game unless they're in you're, the You're the telling location. me that a, a company worth a billion dollars 
is a small company not worth putting a bumper sticker on. If that's what you're saying, I agree with you. No, I'm not at all. I'm saying it completely depends on what the good is that they're selling. Dallas Mavericks is not going to be relevant to commerce at all. Dallas Mavericks tickets, a a company by contrast, a company that does an online retailer that does a billion dollars worth of revenue, them accepting Bitcoin is going to make a much bigger difference. Amazon accepting Bitcoin is better for their business than yes. If it's just an add-on, I I don't really think, and I don't think they're going to do it if it's just an add-on. So, I mean, it's kind of, to me, it's like not really even a a scenario we even have to worry about. Amazon's going to come No, like you focus on having, get Bitcoin to, you, you why did why did Newegg start can, that can only be done with Bitcoin? That's how you add value to it. Why, why did Not Newegg by convincing start people to make themselves worse off by like altruistically putting stickers on things? But you guys in the stickers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do foam thumbs as well. That would be much better. That's a much better strategy. Or lapel uh, and, and raw raws. No. Uh, why, why did Amazon? Why did Newegg and Tiger Direct? Why did these companies start accepting Bitcoin? Well, what do you think? Confirm for uh, branding. For PR. And do you think that that was a, that contributed to the growing of the network effects of Bitcoin? Yeah. And I think it, and I think if it happened today, it would about, it it did somewhat and it would about 10 or 100 times less. Well, look, my my thing is the theory, right? So, so we're illustrating the theory. The theory is very important because the strategy comes from the theory. Like we have these implicit. It it adds, it is a, it is not a complete zero. Uh, it can add value, but it can also potentially detract from the value. It, it that could. is also so, a possibility. So here's a thought experiment. Okay, so, so Seychelles is this little island, and it looks really beautiful. I was thinking maybe that's a potential place I might want to live as well, going to our conversation we had before this call. Um, and so there's a group of people in Seychelles, and they get together, and they're like, hey, I made this new, this new uh, good, and it's going to be used as money. It's really Seychelles. Seychelles, yeah. Seychelles, Se- Seychelles. The, the Seychelles, Seychelles. I like that. So they use it, they, they're trading amongst themselves and like, wow, damn, this is great. I can do all of these cool things. And something they're, they're saving in their Seychelles seashells. Okay, cool, great, they've got a little money. Now somebody gets an idea, they're like, hey, I bet this could be money not just for Seychelles, maybe, we could, maybe other people could also use it. And so he's like, hey, I'm actually gonna go out into the world outside of the Seychelles seashell community and say, this, you should try this money. You use it as a medium of exchange. You save in it. You could do you could do micropayments, whatever the properties are. So, the, but then other people in the in the little seashell community go, no, no, no. You have to create value just for us. There's no point in going outside of the seashell community. We're just going to create just the seashell community. That is, we don't have to focus on everybody else. Other people will be coming to us. When they visit Seychelles, they're going to go, oh my gosh, you guys have this amazing currency and it's just going to catch on magically. You just need to stay here and create value for the Seychelles. I would say, well, that's foolish. You got to have both. You got to have a little hardcore group and you got to, and it's great to have the people that are, that are taking the currency and trying to go outside of their island to get the rest of the world on board. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on like just the basics. I think there's a, you are maybe downplaying one part a little much and overplaying the other part. So I think you're downplaying the potential for if this is truly a superior method and it's only people on this island and they're using the shit out of it and they're getting dramatically better results, the potential for other people to see that and want it without any evangelism, I think is much greater than you assume. And this is true of consumer products. Like uh, I think uh, um, Superhuman is a great example, the email thing. They literally do zero marketing ever 
they force you to apply for access to the platform and go through a long thing and force you to, you know, and it's so good at doing email that people who love email and they, they're just doing it internally so much and like, oh, this is just better that, that like it has this ability for people to come and knock on the door and say, let us use it. I think you're underestimating that potential, but I agree going out and getting other islands to use it is good only insofar as if they're like, okay, sure, I'll try it. And then they put up a sign that says, I accept these seashells and then no, nothing ever happens. Or when it does happen, it makes their life worse. Yeah then your evangelism has not done shit. And so like until you're, unless and until you are evangelizing them into doing something that manifestly is an improvement, it's something that only these seashells can do better, well, then you're not adding any value. You're just, you're just guilting people into, into doing something that they don't like. I agree with most of that. There's one part I disagree with is that it does, it would do nothing. Um, um, uh, so if, if, uh, if the, if the experience is negative, it could, it could do harm if they try accepting yeah, yeah. for a month and they lose money, then they could come raid your Island with pitchforks. and hundred percent agree. This, this is why I think what happened on BTC is like a, a, an absolute tragedy for the development of, of Bitcoin as money. And it was like the worst case scenario, you get acceptance and momentum. And then everybody, everybody develops their ideas about what Bitcoin is in a negative way. Cause it didn't work, which is why it had less acceptance. That was, that was tragic. However, it does, it's still in that circumstance would make the utility of the seashells more, uh, more valuable because you might, if there's a little group of islands, you could say, hey, now I can actually use my seashells and go over here to this little island and use them. That is increased utility. Just like the, Derek gave a great example um, of, well, that illustrated my point, although he thought it illustrated his point. So it's an excellent example. <laughs> Um, it illustrates uh, my point. Uh, and I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, tell it. To do this peso example. Anything that you misunderstand is your fault, not his. Yeah, by the way, we should yeah. move on. I'm, I'm getting bored. Yeah, Derek's yawning. He's getting bored. Well, yeah, I just, we've been gotta, talking about this for two weeks and you're wrong. So it's like okay, after not, a while. Okay, right, so, okay, so, Steve, Steve is not going to be able to sleep if he doesn't finish his sentence. Finish your sentence. No, no, you got to do the peso example. Okay. I like the, the peso example. Yeah. I gave an example where I was going to McDonald's when I was a kid. We had just come back from Mexico and my dad, for whatever reason, only had pesos in the car. So he was trying to beg the people at McDonald's to accept pesos. And to me, you know, uh, it is illustrative of the fact that like the, the re as a payment method, pesos are the same as the US dollars. Like it, it doesn't cost me anything to transfer a peso to, uh, to, to hand pesos to someone. It's as cheap and as fast to hand a, a piece of paper that's one color as a piece of paper that's another color and the reality is though people want the u.s dollars and i think they want u.s dollars because they know they can save in u.s dollars better um and therefore payment as a payment tool peso uh, sorry as, a, as, a, as actual money peso is worse off not because it's it's the same you know uh, as, as a payment method because people don't want to save in it so yeah, and I, I think that's a great example to illustrate the opposite. It's precisely the, the reason that the peso is worse money in that circumstance is because it wasn't accepted. And the, no, the, uh, I think no, it was you're making, wrong, but, but people don't was, accept, you can't, it's the, you're reversing it again. You always add, there's always one step before that people will, I like, you can't make people want something. So, so the people, people, if they don't want it, it's not going to be accepted as payment. No, oh, so, so, the, but there's a reason that, that doesn't get the chronology. You have to go earlier in the chronology and later in the chronology. So the, we could just say, were it the case that the peso were accepted at McDonald's in that circumstance, it would have actually made a better medium of exchange. We could also say that McDonald's in that circumstance uh, would have benefited from the mere acceptance of the peso, 
even if they turned around and exchanged it for the USD. So they would have, would have benefited, but not, yeah. but it wouldn't have actually helped the network of pesos. And in fact, I think it's, this is what we're talking about later. I actually think it will accelerate the collapse of the peso. But that's, that's okay. That's only because the, the underlying properties of the peso might be not good because they're based in, you know, well, yeah, people want us dollars and that what they're doing is selling all their pesos for us dollars. Then all that's doing is accelerating the monetary collapse of the peso. Well, well, so it's, we're tr it's like getting closer to the underlying uh, real value of the, of the thing. When you have more merchant acceptance means that worse currencies are going to die quicker. And that, I think that's a good thing. But in, in that circumstance, like the, the actual utility of the peso would go up for you uh, or, or for your dad if it were accepted as a medium of exchange. So he would benefit if the, if the peso was accepted. No, he still wouldn't want to hold the peso because the peso is a crappy store the, of value. Well, that's a different <laughs> question though. Holding no, it's the not. Peso, it, you, can't, yes. you, can't, you can't separate the savings from, you can't. This is, it's actually no, very that's useful. What, that's, he, that's, all he's going to do, if he can trade pesos, for us dollars more easily he's just going to stop holding the peso entirely he, no he's he, he's not he's going to say oh hey it's actually not that big a deal when i go to mexico and i get pesos in my pocket i don't have to make sure i change exchange all of them out at the airport immediately because i know I, i'll be able to use them as a medium of exchange in the future even if they have them in my pocket so well, that no the, not if they're declining in value again that's that is a the the i don't think it's a separate issue it is a it is a separate issue yeah, because it because it matters why they're declining in value. Steve's Steve's point is that uh, Steve is using ceteris paribus here. Is that ceteris paribus? Uh, let's assume they have the same you know underlying properties. The more acceptance, the less reason there is to exchange it. If it's declining in value for some other reason, then yes. But like since Bitcoin is what it is in terms of the underlying, it can't. It's not inflationary and whatever then you, that part is held constant in Bitcoin. And so the yeah. so, increase of acceptance right. means that you're not as likely to change it out for dollars. That's a good way of putting it. And another way to phrase it would be to say, um, the, the value of the peso would be increased were it the case that it were accepted in McDonald's. However, in, in, the, scenario, in, the, in the real world scenario with the peso, there is an additional property which makes the peso worse, which is precisely that it's being inflated by a central bank. So they are two separate domains. But the point of that example I like is, is to say the uh, uh, McDonald's would be better off if they accepted it just as a medium of exchange, even if they cashed out for USD, because that means they get more business because your dad only had pesos. So that means there's more hamburgers sold if they just accept it, even if they cash out to another um, currency. And uh, it, it, uh, it would be more useful for your dad in that circumstance to have the currency that's more accepted uh, as a medium of exchange. So it makes the currency, it, it's less of a pain to hold pesos if you can exchange them smoothly. I just yeah, and if you can exchange them smoothly, then you just have USD and not okay, peso. We're, we're cutting it off. We're cutting it <laughs> off before someone gets hurt. We're dropping the towel. Yeah, I'm bored I, too. I want to talk about I, like the, I, everything I, else. I wish I could have been there a fly on the wall though, Derek, because your dad is a, gr a hell of a salesman. So I would have loved to see him trying to persuade them to take pesos at McDonald's. That sounds like a, a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and maybe, maybe your dad is the one that needs to go out and get people to put those bumper stickers up. Um, okay, <laughs> so there was something really funny that happened uh, this week. Uh, tragic, sad, but funny in like a karmic justice sort of way. So the BSV people that are like super, super obsessed with like 
law and KYC AML compliance. And yeah. this makes everything more secure. Uh, there was like some data breach from like a MetaNet website or something well, like that. Well, it can be hardly be called a breach. It's more like the guy just, the guy, I'm not, I'm not trying, I don't want to call anyone out because it's like, to me, like the guy was like, like both sides are kind of acting poorly. I mean, you know, but uh, uh, he put in a file that got indexed by Google because it was just a publicly accessible file. So Google scrapes the website and the guy was just, the, the, the guy who breached, he didn't really breach, he was just on Google and he clicked it and saw, oh, well look, here's a database of all the users, click. Oh look, the guy's passport's in there. Like it, it wasn't anything more than that really. So I don't say like funny cosmic justice isn't I want this to happen to anybody or I wish harmony, like people make mistakes, whatever. But the, the, the philosophical point, and Derek pointed this out in, in our discussions offline, that you know everybody talking about, oh, compliance, legal compliance, KYC, all this stuff, it's all fully compliant. And they're only thinking of the, the good things that can happen if you make everybody give you all their information. Oh, we'll prevent money laundering and all this stuff. And they don't think about the additional risk surfaces that you create. And, and in, in my experience, I mean, I'm thinking about like the hack of Target or Equifax or whatever. How many, because they require you to give them all your personal information, how many people have they stopped from funneling money to terrorists versus how many people did they screw over by having this big giant database of personal information, like having to store all that information, that is a security risk. That is not like this great, wonderful thing that you force people to give you a freaking blood sample in their firstborn kid just to open, you know, to exchange money on, a, on, an, on an exchange or whatever. Like that's crazy. What was the point of having the passports and stuff there? Uh, well, okay. So what I read was that they were worried about infiltrators, Greg Maxwell, one of them. So they decided that they would start verifying IDs. And I also read it and again, it's hard to say that they wanted to be like, they don't actually, they didn't actually need KYC for that, you know, but that they wanted to do KYC because they were thinking about, I don't know, some kind of relationship with like government in the UK or something like that. And there was some reason to have KYC or something like that. I mean, what's, what's ironic about the whole thing is that they were in huge breach of the uh, what GDPR compliance regulations for a, a variety of reasons. Um, and again, I, I've seen rumors online, so it's like, you don't know, but they were saying like one thing, for example, was that the IP was sharing on it, was, was on a shared server with, the, with, a, with a, a server in the United States, I guess, was sharing something with a server in the United States, which is also illegal because you've got to store data in the EU. Um, there was, it was just, that to me, ironic. it was a hilarious example of, of how difficult these laws are to follow and the yes. kind of risks that they create because of the difficulty, you know, because the law, law is never this clean thing where it's like a very simple thing to follow. It's always a, a headache where there's all this other stuff you've got to do. And when you're, you're, you're basically putting it on these little private small operators who have no clue what the laws are, no clue how to follow it, can't possibly know without spending a fortune on people to come help them do compliance. You know, like big companies, for example, spend a lot of money doing KYC and AML compliance stuff. They hire consultants who charge thousands of dollars an hour to come in and help you. And even they have problems. So if you're a tiny business trying to do it, you're going to have a whole headache. Of, and this is a classic example of that. Um, now, the leaker, in my mind, should not have disclosed it the way he did. Um, he's, 
his argument is that the guy would have tried to cover it up and would have, and to me, it's like, well, okay, if he tried to cover it up, uh, that's better than, than the customers who now had their data exposed online. Yeah. Like show the guy, let him fix it. And then later come out and say, Hey, I found this embarrassing leak to their credit. They did fix it, but this is some terrible well, stuff. And even if he lies and says that didn't happen to me, it's still a better outcome than people having their passports exposed because you may want to stick it to this guy. But the reality is once your idea is out there, once your idea is out there, what's going to happen is, is, is not only do you get screwed, but other people get screwed. So like Isaac, you know, I don't know if Steve knows that, you know, my ID has been compromised and I got an email from a guy who was conned out of uh, Lakers tickets for um, like $400 because it was on some, one of those uh, sites where you can trade stuff. And the guy was trying to buy last minute Lakers basketball tickets. And um, the guy asked for an ID if it was actually me. And the guy sent him a photo of my ID. And so the guy later found out it was a lie, but like, that's what happens is people not only do, I mean, I wasn't even really hurt though. I guess one day someone could show up at my door and kill me because I've been conning all these people or they think I've been conning all these people, you know, but uh, other people are hurt. A lot of other people are hurt. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's also, there is a measure of irony here because we were just talking about this with Roger last week about, first going like that like uh, when you're trying to build something you you focus on compliance first and then you build the thing i feel like if that's true that they were trying to make some connection with government that is a perfect illustration of the problem that they getting people's information together in a database so that they can appease uh, the authorities and then you just have a, a data breach that's like exactly the opposite of how things should go that whole yeah. legal compliance thing just just cracks me up. Like for one, the naivete of thinking that all laws are just, the naivete of thinking that laws are even possible to comply with. There's that <laughs> the book, internally uh, coherent. Ten, ten I don't know all laws. Let, let's 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 even let's be more charitable. The, the naivety of thinking that most laws are good, right? Because there, you know, I've seen people say, well, no one ever said all laws are just. And it's like, okay, well, I can I can just say that most laws are unjust. Most yeah, laws are stupid. Or, and or the financial even, ones are outrageous as well. In particular, the, specifically the ones related to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are garbage. Yeah, I mean the well, SEC, the, all that stuff, just horrible. And then there's the you know there's the marketing question too. Like if a if a new social media platform emerged and their and their big pitch to you was, hey, we are the most legally compliant of all the social media platforms. Would you be like, oh, wow, that sounds great. You know, you'd be like, I don't care. I don't understand all these weird laws. Like, what can you do for me? That's a weird pitch. But the, the naivete of like fully legally compliant, that's literally an impossibility. And I would argue that's one of the points of law is to make it an impossibility. The reason you legislate and regulate the shit out of everything is to create enough surfaces that are conflicting with each other that it's a literal impossibility to be in compliance with everything at all times. And that way, at any moment, the state has all the cards because if they really want to, they can do what they did to Al Capone and they can nail you on some weird tax fraud or some, like, it's truly, I, I've run companies and even when we're small, I, I mean, I had 10 employees in like six different states and not a month went by where I get some documentation from some department in one of the states where one of my employees was saying, hey, we think you didn't file this right or this. And almost always they were wrong. It was like a clerical error or like the state of New York 
Turns out they have a separate type of workman's compensation insurance than the rest of the country. And I only had the normal one for the rest of the country. And they all year went by without them noticing it or me knowing it. And then they said, you got to go get this other policy. And I go ask my provider and they don't know how to get it. And I can And so like for 12 months, at least I was technically out of compliance, but they didn't know it. Neither did I. And to this day, I don't even know how I could have been in compliance. I, I've, I've worked with people in the past who were had the EPA telling them they needed to do one kind of drainage ditch for their parking lot expansion of their business and the state environmental quality department telling them a different kind that were literally incompatible with each other. So no matter what they did, they were going to be out of compliance with one state or federal law. Like that is the reality of how insane this stuff is. So the idea that first and foremost, you comply with the law is just <laughs> asinine on every level. Yeah, we had we had several issues between Department of Homeland Security and Department of Commerce because they both clash with each other all the time. And a lot of Homeland Security, Homeland Security laws actually like invalidate Department of Commerce stuff. And so it's like, who are you supposed to comply with? You know, I mean, that's that's a real headache, you know, because if you miss one of them, the other group finds you. And it's like, well, what, what the hell, you know? So like, like, how are you even supposed to do business? I think I think a lot of people who just talk about law in this very generic way have never actually done anything that would require them to interact with law no. like and so, and what, so that's and what you problem. do in the real world is you just everything's a calculated risk you're like eh, if push comes to i think i'm i'm as close as i think i can be i'm not going to go become an expert to make sure i'm compliant with everything if somebody comes to me and says you're out of compliance you owe us a million dollars i'll go lawyer up and be like hey i'm i'm trying to be as reasonable as i can i'm hoping that public opinion and the reasonableness of whatever and the, the lawyer I have will make that fine go down to $500 or go away. And like, you're just kind of taking a chance. You're trying to do the best you can, but you're never compliant in some, you know, pristine way. The best is when they hit you with like a $20,000 fine or $100,000 fine. And you're like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. And they're like, okay, well, just pay us like a couple hundred bucks and you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, all right. Uh, I swear, like that happens all the time, you know? And it's oh, like, yeah. yeah. Isaac, it's from my perspective, it sounded like you're saying ignorance of the law is an excuse. Oh, it's absolutely an excuse. I, I'm, I know, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, I was being it's, facetious. It's, I was pretending never, like that was it, a bad thing. What is the, uh, I think it's uh, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Uh, there's somebody that like every day he tweets how many uh, rules were added to the federal registrar just that day alone. I mean, and it's just absolutely absurd. Like, yeah. so, yes. Well, people think that we vote on all this too. You know, it's like, oh, well, law is so great because people get together. They have this, uh, like I joked the other day on Twitter, they have a schoolhouse rock sort of <laughs> understanding of law, which is like, we all get together. There's children. There's the bills are animated. Yeah, the bills are nice and cute and animated and we all vote. <laughs> and it goes through this process and we decide as a culture and a society what you mean, kind of rules we want to live under. You mean the way under. that the That's user-activated soft fork came about, right? The, yeah. the beauty of community consensus. That's <laughs> yeah, the reality is it's like bureaucrats who, you know, I have no idea who they are. They are not elected. They will be in office no matter who's in office, who, who we actually elected. And they're just making rule after rule after rule after rule that is not disclosed in a way that allows me to follow it. And that even if they were disclosed, I couldn't follow it. Now, in our defense of our BSV friends, uh, I do think that like, I mean, there is an argument to be made about not going so far in like cultivating, you know, things that are like guaranteed to, to get the, the, you know, harsh hand of the state on you. You know, if, if you're 
if you're marketing Bitcoin as a tool for, for bad crimes, or if you're creating, you know, a culture that, that does that or, or, or adding tools to the protocol that will facilitate things like that. I think you could run into some problems. I do think that the beauty of Bitcoin, a lot of it is, does appear to be fairly compliant with existing laws, even if like, like, and, and, and I do think there's some value in that, but I also think you can go way too far, you know? Well, if it, yeah, I mean, if it makes a lot of use cases easier, right? So if uh, somebody wants to use Bitcoin for some, whatever, financial instrument or something, if, if they're like, oh, okay, I get it. This fits into this category. We're good to go, right? So like, you don't, you know, and I use the, the joke about you don't lead with, hey, we're fully legally compliant. That's not a great marketing slogan. But also saying, hey, we're fully illegal is not a great marketing slogan <laughs> yeah. either, right? Like yeah. you just focus on what you can do and you try to be like reasonably capable of fitting into the standard legal paradigm if possible, but you don't make that your focal point. Well, no business does that. You look at a business, like you were saying, like, no business would market itself as purely illegal because that would be idiotic, right? I mean, even when Uber did stuff, they didn't go out and say, yeah, we're going to go break a bunch of laws. Come arrest me. You know, I mean, that, there's a time and place for that maybe, but they were sort of like, okay, like there's some gray area. Let's go try to grow as fast as possible within the gray area before they start, you know, slapping us down too much. When I started um, my first company practice, you know, it's this boot camp and apprenticeship program. And like, I couldn't figure out for the life of me what it was supposed to be categorized as. Like, is this an educational thing? Does it need to comply with some education laws? Is it... And so I just registered as a business and started doing business. And I figured I can't see that I'm like violating any law that's obvious to me. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, you really need to be registered as an X, Y, or Z, then I'll listen and we'll, and we'll figure it out. And we'll talk it through. But I'm not going to make a pre, uh, as a precondition of me moving forward and trying to grow me figuring out the law and going to lawmakers and saying, Hey guys, work with me and come up with a new set of regulatory definitions. Like literally I'd be dead in the water. That would take so much time and money. Like it's just, you know, but anyway, um, one, one thing I thought was funny mentioning uh, Bitcoin core. I got the uh, wonderful shitcoin.com newsletter this morning, uh, which I think is one of the, the most fun things in, in crypto, but it, <laughs> it pointed out that, now, people who wanted a block size increase, and we're only talking about going to two megabytes. We're not big blockers anymore. Now, Adam Back is calling us huge blockers because it, these are the huge, unreasonably huge blockers because two megabytes is huge, guys. Huge. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. he shared that info, that, that post of the like inflatable tank or something like that. It's just, just straw man after straw man. So, uh, but, I was going to change the topic if you had something to say, Isaac. You want to go back to our debate? I was just going to make a smart-ass comment about BTC, so go ahead. No, I I was just going to say, if we're going to talk about BTC, we got to talk about BCH, too, because just yesterday, yeah, just briefly, briefly. um, Isaac, did you get a chance? I know Derek read it. Did you get a chance to read Amri Sachet's Monetary Masterpiece? I didn't. I only read some screenshots I saw and and Roger Vera's comment. I didn't read the whole thing. Yeah, uh, well, so he, he wrote an article. It was entitled something like Bitcoin Core Developers Do Understand Economics. And, uh, and Which is was, laughable. It, it is la- well, it, it's, it, it's so laughable. Provocative. There was, a, there was a, a double conflation. He was conflating X with Y, but actually X with Z at the same time. It was, it was amazing. Where he equated 
understanding economics with understanding business, like having a successful business and under, and, and understanding business with being able to secure resources. So if you, if you successfully have secured resources, you understand economics. So he was saying, oh no, Bitcoin core, they understand economics because they intentionally limited the blocks to essentially keep themselves relevant and employed. Um, that, that was his, that was his argument. And with, with completely, uh, non sequitur mentions of Mises and Rothbard and Hayek so, just peppered in there. For, so for was no this way. like a, is this like a veiled threat? to the BCH community? What, what is the point? I, of totally that? was. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a threat. I took it as a, as a thinly veiled uh, uh, statement that the reason he is um, filibustering is because he's trying to get himself paid because it worked for CORE and so it's going to work again for BCH. I see it as, as sort of like a warning maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe threat's too harsh, but like a kind of like, hey, if you don't, do something that aligns my incentives with the interest of the protocol. There are other incentives that I can follow as well to make myself, you know, more and more. Like I have, a, I have existing incentives and here's where the existing incentives took BTC. Here's what happened. Therefore, if you don't create other incentives for me, I will be the next block stream. That's how I read it. Yeah, and he's, he's praised Blockstream before because he says at the end of the day, at least they got their devs paid. And it made me think of like a, a, a French union boss who's like, I don't really care if what I'm creating is shit. I'm just going to get my guys paid. Well, you, you know, don't we, care if long term the company is going to go out of business exactly. as long as you get paid right now. Exactly. Why French, Steve? Well, I'll tell you why French. Because uh, all French are terrible with no exceptions. No. Uh, <laughs> we, we have criticized the minor. We, we have, I think, correctly identified that Chinese culture actually has an effect on the crypto industry because so many miners are Chinese. And I think actually you could make the case that French culture has affected uh, BCH a little bit because the, I, his behavior is very consistent with the, the protest uh, 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 yeah, union mentality where it's kind of the workers versus the, you know, the investors. Well, and that idea that the like... The strike idea. Go on, we're going to go on strike. Strikes me as very French. Yeah, that like... And if, <laughs> and if I went on strike, it would always end up in my favor because I am worth way more yeah. than what you're currently... Like the always the assumption that the market values me way more than I'm currently getting. Well, it's like, well, then who's the fool? Then quit, quit working here then if that's true. Like quit bitching about it if you don't don't want this job go do something else you know yeah and part of me feels i mean i i literally felt disgust reading it for all kinds of reasons because it was it was like terribly written and to make the conflation with i understand economics i mean it made me think like he's essentially making the argument that all gold diggers understand economics like if you could successfully secure yourself resources as a parasite that means you play <laughs> understand economics like shocking uh, so, but part so, of me is glad that, that he admitted it because I, you have to be thick, I think, to not realize that he is essentially saying the model that Blockstream had worked and I, will, I am employing it and will employ it um, unless, I get, unless I secure more resources. Yeah, it was, a great, it was a great signal to investors to go sell your Bitcoin cash. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine like, you know, it's like a like an employee coming to you or a startup founder who's coming to an investor being like, Hey, look, give me more money. No, I'm not going to give you more money. Give me more money. No, I'm not going to give you. 
give me more money or I'm going to do some really screwed up stuff that messes up this whole thing. It's like, it is in my incentives to sell right? all the company secrets to the competitor. Then I, I literally either say, get out of here. Or if you don't get out of here, I'm going to get out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to be under constant insult, threat of extortion and bad attitude? What a horrible like way to, to build. Yeah, well, he, and he's repeatedly strawmanned everybody by saying that nobody wants developers to get paid. We just want free work. <laughs> and, and, and that's just an insane, you know, talking point. It's not true at all. So, um, so now he set himself up to be like the, the victim of all this at the end of the day, the victim who's, who, 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 who now has been put in the position where if, if things don't go well, he has to go the blockstream route. Well, yes, and he's going it, to, it'll be like, you know, the person, the, the, if you employ the, uh, the software engineer who's like, he, and he, he claims he owns the back end. He's like proprietary. They built a website for you and he still owns it. So he's like the website maintainer. And then he goes rogue and then starts extorting you and says, you can't access your website anymore unless you pay me more. Now, that's obviously a big problem. But then if the net result of that is the failure of the website or the failure of the organization of the company, he's going to go, look, the problem is you didn't pay me enough money. At yeah. the end of the day, this could have been resolved if you just paid me more. Yeah, and so, every talking point I see out of their, uh, their talking head uh, for ABC that they hired, who, um, who I had really high hopes for, but not anymore. Um, he's just like, oh, funding. We just need more money. Just give us more money. That's it. And it's like crazy to think that that's, that's going to necessarily solve anything. Yeah. So if we have a minor culture on Bitcoin influenced by Chinese culture, developer culture on BCH influenced by French culture, what is the Australian cultural influence? Is that where all the crazy comes from in Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah. All the all the marketing and all the all the sizzlemanship. I don't know. There's every time every time I see something crazy, I feel like you go two steps, you see something crazy in Bitcoin, and there's an Australian behind it. I don't know. I have nothing <laughs> against Australians, but there's I have wondered if all of crypto is a giant conspiracy by the country of Australia to the rest of the world, you know? <laughs> Just a big scam. Yeah, I, I, you know, a questionable relationship with criminality. It's like, are, are the history of these people, are they criminals or are they actually not? Oh, uh, gentlemen, uh, I didn't have any other specific topics to touch on. Uh, so I'm going to wrap unless you guys have something else you want to want to finish with. Good. No, yeah, not much has happened since we last, last talked. So. All right, we're going to wrap it up. And we'll probably be a couple of weeks before we do another one. Hopefully with TK back so we have the full four numpty effect. Thanks, gents. See you guys.